bitch, I'm dead fresh. I might pull up in a casket. Hey, come on, like bro. Fruit basket. Spit a couple raps. I get a check of Johnny Cash. Should I smash it? I love you more. Remember, guys, don't take us too seriously. We're just some bros being dudes talking sports. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the latest edition of Bros Being Dudes Talking Sports. As always, we got a really exciting episode for you guys. A ton happened this weekend. A ton. Too much to fit into one episode, but we're going to try our damnedest to make it happen. Uh, we got all kinds of breaking news in college basketball. We got some college football breaking news. Some NHL big weekend for, for Puck. Uh, some MLB spring spring trainings already launched. Like We're starting to get back in the swing of things, but the major storyline we have to talk about off the rip UFC fight night this weekend was spectacular. The whole card was phenomenal. But let's get to the good stuff. This is what people care about. That Derek Lewis-Curtis Blades fight lived up to the hype. Absolutely lived up to the hype. Derek Lewis was kind of getting worked on in the first round. Kept losing his footing. Landed a couple significant strikes. But in the second, the knockout master did what the knockout master does. And if you know anything, you can pick up on context clues. Derek Lewis TKO'd uh, Curtis Blades. And I, honestly, it's poetic justice. Before the fight, Blades was talking all that good shit to, to Lewis. He said, you're not the black beast, you're the black bitch. Well, he Jeez. put you to sleep. He put you to sleep, made you eat the words. Dude, Derek Lewis is the funniest guy maybe in all of sports. This man tweeted yesterday. He said, I'm just waiting for Black History Month to be over so I can make fun of Blades for talking shit before the fight. Like, it's, like that's incredible. That's phenomenal. So, what well, was this like a Watt versus Black ordeal here or something? No, uh, Curtis Blades is also black. It was two black guys. That's why he said that. Okay. He's, he's, okay. Waiting for, okay. he's waiting for for Black History Month. So Can't hate. That's right. Can't hate. <laughs> now, like I don't. Did you get the? Did you watch any of this fight at all? I did not. Uh, did you see the knockout on on Twitter or anything? At least I did not actually. I have not really? seen anything. Oh man, it was beautiful. Blades came in. He he tried to go for the takedown. Derek Lewis hit him with a, an uppercut real quick, put him to sleep, and then while he was down, hit him with two hammer fists. And and I want to pose this question to you. I I put this tweet out earlier this morning. Actually. I got it right here, son. Just a little review here. Yeah. Mm, a, like it's like he still made like oh shit I got knocked out like he like he told himself like oh I'm out. Yeah, it, it was it's honestly one of the more impressive knockouts I've ever seen. But then people were dogging on Derek Lewis afterward. Like even Curtis Blades camp, they were like. uh those two extra punches when he was on the ground weren't necessary. And Derek Lewis just looked at him. He's like, that's, that's Herb Dean's fault. He wasn't close enough to, to stop the fight. So I put this, this question out on Twitter. Is there a dumber argument in all of sports than someone getting mad at a fighter for fighting until the fight is over? I think that is the dumbest thing in all of sports that people get pissed that these fighters attack until they are literally pulled off of them. Like, that's so stupid. I don't care if he's knocked out or not, because what if he was out, comes to, and then starts fighting me back? Like, I'm going to fight you until I, I know for sure that I have the win. And that's what Derek was saying. Like, I think that's the stupid, that would be like, that would literally be like getting mad at a basketball player for shooting a last second half court shot. It's like, the game is still going on. The fight is still going on. I'm going to give you a punch until I'm not allowed to anymore. Like, 
I don't know. Is that just me or is that like I think that's a that's just a stupid argument by people. No, I definitely see the you know you fight until it's over. You know, it's across all sports. You you play to the whistle blows. You you fight till the ref literally calls it. Like that's just one of the things that you do. Um, now, granted, I will say there are some instances as a fighter where I guess your just humane instincts kick in, and you see a man cold on the ground, and and you're kind of like, I mean, I don't know, you, dude, <laughs> and, and you're kind of like, I mean, he probably don't need two or three more punches in, and he he's done, and and I've seen it happen, I've seen guys do it, and it's always good to see just because you don't want to see these guys getting their brains turned to mush, you know, when they when they can't even defend themselves, but. At the same time, I agree. Like it's the ref's job; he gets paid by the UFC to right. officiate the fights, to stop them. Uh, and at that point, he needs to be held accountable to an extent, in my mind. Uh, but then again, I can also see the argument where people want fighters to to recognize, you know, hey, he's out. Like there's no need for it. Well, I see both sides of the argument. problem. The problem with being like, oh, he's out. Like I'm good. I've witnessed people come back too after being put to sleep and continue and actually finish the fight. Like they're out cold laying down. The dude gets on top of them and it's like, boom, he's back. Cause like yeah. everyone handles that differently. Like sometimes you get put to sleep and you're out for two seconds. Sometimes you're out like blades was for a couple minutes. You just don't know. So to say that he's in the wrong for finishing the fight until yeah. Herb Dean told him he can't, I think is wild. Yeah, I'll never, you'll never see me say anybody was in the wrong uh, for for finishing a fight until they tell you to finish it. Uh, yeah. I mean, at that point, before I do that, I'll be like, you know, the stoppage was late or or whatever. But at the same time, I, you know, I do. I like to see fighters kind of back off a little bit yeah. in a I sense, think but. Yeah, I, this card was really good, especially for just a fight night. I think there was only one fight on the main card that went to a decision and like three fights for the whole card, like prelims included, that went to a decision. So great night for the UFC. Honestly, I, I'm really excited. March 6th, I'll do a big preview show on this one. The March 6th card is going to be just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but let's move on. Let's talk about some college basketball. There's really one pressing thing that we need to talk about, and then I'm going to pose a hypothetical for you, Don. So the first thing is Duke back. Like, I, I kind of pose this in jest, but, like, not really because they have looked much, much better. They're on a four-game winning streak right now. Their last loss was at the uh, in the middle of January uh, when they played Louisville. Uh, honestly, Duke looks a lot better now that they lost uh, a, a couple – couple headaches in the locker room so i don't know i think duke duke might be back and they i think they're gonna have to make a little bit of a run uh in the acc tournament to be able to get in but if they do get into the tournament i think duke is a team that you just don't want to play because they have a ton of talent and if they can put it together like last night against my orange in the first half they hit 10 threes that's in the half they've not they've only hit more than 10 threes one other time all season in a full game and they hit it in the first half last night. So, like, as much as it pains me to say, and I hope Cody doesn't listen to this episode because I actually do. I think Duke might be might be back. Uh, but here's a question I wanted to pose for you, Don. And for someone who doesn't, like, watch college basketball all that much, there are two teams that are head and shoulders better than everyone else, and that is the Gonzaga uh, Zags 
and the Baylor, uh, Baylor Bears. If I give you those two or the field to win the national championship, who are you taking? The field. Yeah, absolutely same. Like, that's, that's the easiest thing in my life, especially when you got, what is it, 30, uh, what is it, 64, 64 teams? Well, technically like, 68, but yeah. Like, no, come on, you're going to give me, you're going to give me 62. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Right. That's what's great. Like, I, someone posed this question. I want to say it was like Doug Gottlieb, um, or one of the one of the big college basketball names. They posed this question, like being for real. And these two are the best two teams in the country by a wide, wide margin. But they call it March Madness for a reason. To like this, this thing never goes chalk. So to say that one of those two teams gets upset, not that big of an under or uh, big of a stretch. And to think that then, though, even if they do make the Elite Eight or the Final Four, then they'll be playing against the best of the best where it's a one-game elimination. To say two teams are the field, I mean, you have to take the field, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially, the one thing to consider, too, is like, the tournament is always dominated by good players, not necessarily good teams. So, like, Lou Garza could backpack Iowa to a Final Four or a championship. I wouldn't be all that surprised. Well, like he's the best player in the country. Like, yeah. And at the same time, you're talking single elimination, have to win six straight. Like, man, I, I just don't, I don't know. Like they, and I will say, granted, I don't watch a lot of college basketball, but I am, uh, I am, you know, in the know enough to to actually realize they are the best two college basketball teams. But in no shape or form, at any point in time, will I, will I ever take two college teams against the field? It didn't matter if it was the twelve Kentucky team, if it was uh, when was Duke so, like so great, fifteen or something? Yeah, twenty fifteen uh, with Jaleel Okafor. It, it don't matter if you was to give me those teams in those years. I'd still take the field just for the off chance of something happening. It's, yeah. It is what it is. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's definitely like that, the smart play is always in numbers. Smart is always in the numbers for sure. Um, Notre Dame must have been crunching some numbers, and they're upset about the players not getting paid enough because now let's talk some college football. Notre Dame has decided to opt out of joining the EA Sports reboot of college football of of the college football video game. So I mean, honestly, I might not buy the game now. This is this has turned me away from the game. I'm done with it. I'm done with the game. Notre Dame has made a stand. I, I'm on their side. I mean, the what is it? What, what are they? A bunch of Catholics up there? <laughs> I mean, yes, they are. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand. Like what? They've, spent, they they've, think, spent, they've, they've gambled all their money away and this spent is it all of, on booze. They need to pay more. <laughs> this is one of the biggest virtue signals or virtue signalings like of all time. Like this is insane. Do they think they're gonna get like a bunch of public support from this or something? Like this is one of the dumbest things of all time. Plus, now here's something else to consider. If you're a recruit and you're thinking about going to Notre Dame or going to literally any other major D1 school, you go to Notre Dame, you're not in the video game. You go to one of the other ones, you can play as yourself in a video game. Like a lot of people, well, especially, right? I mean, especially from from our generation, like love this game. They want to see themselves in in the game and be able to play with themselves. Oh, that's a tough soundbite. Tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough soundbite. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that definitely is going to have an impact on on their recruiting. Because I mean, you can't tell me that's not a thing. Kids growing up playing this game, and like the college kids, like 
from the time that the game ended till now have said like they always grew up wanting to be able to play as their character in this game. Like you grow up playing Road to Glory. Now you don't have to make your player. He's already in the game. You can just play as him. Well, my thing is too, like have numbers specifically came out on what they do get paid for their likeness in this game? Like it, here's my thing. I'm all for, you know, I'm for the player. I want to get paid for their time, for their effort, uh, for any sales that they their name may have made for the university, whatever. But I mean, you're you're at least getting paid now to be in a video game. The people in the past, I, you know, I'm not saying that you should just settle for whatever, but I look at it as it's they either you're, you're you're going to get paid nothing anyway if you don't. And I don't know. I think it's kind of stupid, and I think it's. I don't think it's the players as much is of course as the university. Oh, it's the AD, yeah. No, for sure. It's the AD. But I think he was trying to do this as like, oh, we we stand as one with our players. We and the players are probably sitting there like knowing this fucking stupid. Yeah, knowing knowing for a fact he's putting it on the athlete, like, oh, we're we stand with the athlete where he's really screwing the athlete just because he's not getting enough money in his pockets from the licensure. Right. That's exactly what's happening. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, he used it as, like, a virtue signal because his exact words were, we are not going to let – or we are not going to participate until the players get what we think they deserve. What we that's, think they deserve. Let the players tell you what they deserve. But I, I'm telling you, the, the athletes there have to be pissed about this because, like I said, that's such a cool experience to, like, be able to use yourself in a video game and they're just getting robbed of it. And then now, especially with like the transfer portal being uh, used as, as much as it is, why not transfer and go someplace that A, you'll have a chance to actually win, and B, you'll be able to be in the video game. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. maybe I'm putting too much stock in people actually wanting to be able to play as themselves, but I think that is a huge, huge deal to people. My first question is who the hell wants to go to Notre Dame anyway? I mean, that's fair. Any more, that's fair. Like, if you're like the only ones I can think of, and I mean, if your parents, I guess, are hardcore Catholic and they just force you to go to Notre Dame, I could see it. Yeah. But outside you, of that, like, if you grew up a Notre Dame fan, I think that's the only way that you want to go to Notre Dame. And poor Notre Dame, hell, they're in Indiana. I mean, I'm an Indianapolis fan here, and I just, to hell with Notre Dame. I, Indiana yeah. is a. I don't like the state of Indiana, just to be honest with you. I think it's a garbage can state. It is, for the most part. I mean, well, we say garbage can. Like, okay, here's my take. The Midwest is the most boring, you know, part of the United States that a man could ever live in, take, could ever visit, could ever go through. To but yeah, it, to an extent, I agree. But at the same time, we got to look. <laughs> we're getting into economics class here. Let's look at all the good they do for for us. They honestly, those states are the most boring, but they do the best, they do some of the best stuff for us. A lot of a lot of blue collar folks in the Midwest. That's a lot right. of blue collar folks, and we support blue collar folks. We support you because I tell you what, those taters that you that you uh, grow every year, they taste pretty good when I put them in a skillet. <laughs> well, that's so fair. I mean, I'll tell you what, the one thing. Okay, so, like, I won't include Michigan as, like, the Midwest because, like, I would consider that, like, upper Midwest or, like, a Great Lakes region. I consider like, them just north. Like, yeah, they're central, more north. 
Central to Southwest Ohio, over into Indiana. Missouri sucks. Nebraska sucks. Kansas is Kansas is horrible. <laughs> Arkansas is the worst. Okay, Arkansas. I wouldn't even Arkansas consider the Arkansas south, though, right? Midwest. Yeah, I'd consider it the South, but that is by far the worst state. Have you ever driven through Arkansas? I have not been to Arkansas. Don't, so. don't. I'll save you the time. Don't. If you're listening I, to this, I have a feeling though that it's kind of like. Uh, Alabama's cousin or something though. Alabama's retarded cousin. <laughs> it's literally like it's so flat. It smells, it smells like poop. I don't know about incest. That I think that's more just Alabama. <laughs> I just figured that's how you got the one less chromosome. We're getting. We're just getting. Oof. <laughs> it's not great, but no, I like Arkansas is definitely the worst. Like I, you got me on a tangent. Driving through Arkansas was the most miserable experience of my life. I went on a college visit down there to Harding University. It's like Christian school D two. Yeah. Think about playing football, whatever. Garbage state. It turned me off before we even got there. I was tilted. I lost full. I, I sat down. I sat down, looked around. I was like. As much as I even would have liked to go to school, because the campus was beautiful, the drive-in ruined yeah. it. And I was like, I was... Their, their their selling point though was what I, you you asked about work study, and they were like, yeah, you can uh, you can harvest the cornfields for us for you. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm pretty sure that it would have been burning trash because the amount of <laughs> trash fires that I saw on the way down there, Don, I couldn't count them if I had 14 which, hands. Which I really <laughs> trash fires. I would have. Separate hands, so 14 times five. Do that quick math. Was it like 90? <laughs> oh, I will say, I can't Definitely believe not. what you say about another state, though, because you say that Florida is a trash can. Yeah, 14 it, times five is 70. So if I had <laughs> 70 fingers, I still wouldn't have enough to count all the trash fires I saw in Arkansas. Florida mm-hmm. has some good things. Like, you know, beautiful beaches, good warm weather, pretty women. Meth heads, I mean, people with no teeth. Well, I mean, hey, people jerking just... off while fighting a, a crocodile or an alligator and the cops at the same time. I mean, if you go to any other state, people pay $50 a ticket to watch stuff like that. So I don't even, like, you get it for free on the streets. It's just a bonus. You're just saying, you're just saying that. Florida is an amusement park. That's good selling point for the state of Florida. You hey, go Florida. Bunch of I hate the state of Florida so much. <laughs> I hate Florida. I'm I, the number one gator hater. <laughs> I am the number one. You can't be the number one gator hater. You're too mild. <laughs> okay, I can't. I'm gonna have to put that out on Instagram or something so people know what we're talking about. But let's move on. Let's talk about. So we talked about trash states. Let's talk about trash basketball teams. So Boogie Cousins is about to be waived by the Houston Rockets after only being there for like a month and a half. This man is absolutely fed up with Houston, says he wants out. Coincidentally, the Lakers have just waived. Uh, I forget his name. Not Jordan Clarkson. Um, they, they waived some trash can scrub to create room on the roster for Boogie, apparently. So look for Boogie to join AD and LeBron in LA. That seems like it's going to be be coming up here soon. Get, as someone who hates Houston, Don, I, well, do you still hate Houston now that Russ and Harden are gone? 
No. Dude, listen, the NBA for me is a bunch of individuals. Like It used to be team basketball, but, of course, that's evolved and long gone now. I mean, you're talking the game anymore is figureheads and superstars, and that's and you got role players that, yeah, I mean, role players help you, but anymore, like, you, you don't see a uh, – you don't see an old school Spurs team, or a lot of people want to call that Celtics team a super team, and they probably were for their time. But uh, just hard nosed teams that play team basketball, you don't see them very much anymore. And so, and the one team that does play team basketball is leading the league in every statistic. They have the best offense, the best defense, the best record. Of course, I'm talking about my pick to win it all the Utah Jazz. So let's actually jump into that because that was the other thing I want to talk about in the NBA. Just give me your finals prediction. Two teams who you think are going to play for the finals. That's it because we're right at the halfway mark right now. The All-Star break's coming up. Uh, so just two teams, obviously an East and a West participant. So I'll go first. I'll give you some time to think about it. I'm taking the Jazz, obviously, since I have them winning it all. I think that they just play great team basketball. Defense wins titles. They have the superstar who can get a bucket for them whenever they need it. Great defensive presence inside Rudy Gobert. I'd love the Jazz to win it all. So they are my Western participant. In the East, I'm going to go off the well-trod path. These are Pete. I just had a stroke. Couldn't talk. Uh, I'm going to go off the well-beaten path. I'm going to take the Boston Celtics to actually put it together in the playoffs uh, and make a finals run, finally living up to expectations. Now, they just had a super collapse the other day. They were winning by, like, 24 and ended up losing the game. But this is also one of the youngest teams in the league. Now, in saying that, they're getting older. Their veteran presence needs to step up. Kemba Walker couldn't hit a shot the other night. His shot seems shaky right now. But he's going to put some things together. The two things that these teams have in common, they play really good defense, and they play team basketball on the offensive end. These guys move the ball better than any other team in the league besides the other one. I, I'm telling you, these two are, are, on, are on a collision course because the stars in the East have not impressed me at all. Durant hasn't really impressed me much. Kyrie hasn't impressed me much. The, the addition of Harden to Brooklyn, I thought was going to make them untouchable. And yet they sit in second in the East behind the 76ers who really don't impress me at all. And they always choke in the playoffs. So yeah, give me Utah and Boston to meet in the finals. Finally, some, some more parody in the NBA. Well, I don't think there's going to be that much parody. I hate to say it, but I I honestly, and this is what I want to see happen. And this is actually what I think will happen is I want to see LeBron uh, and AD playing the big three there in Brooklyn. Um, I do. And the reason I I say this is because you're looking at the, in my mind, at least the two best basketball players on the face of the earth and LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Now I say that Kevin Durant's been, you know, He's been hobbled by a couple of injuries, and you can see it's affected his game just a little bit. But I, I believe in the end, he'll return to form, and, and they'll be at least in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, so we'll see if they make it. But, yeah, I, I'm taking the Lakers and, and the Nets, and I think it'll be one for, you know, for the ages. And I would like to see the KD-LeBron matchup one more time because I'm afraid – I don't want to say this will be the last one, last chance we get to see them, but it'll be the last chance when they're both at the top. Well, at least when one's at the top of their game, the other one is yeah. trying to fight back. 
it seems right now, though, that LeBron isn't going anywhere anytime soon. The man is leading the league at 36 minutes a game. 36 minutes a game. As a 30, he's what, 36, 36. actually? Yeah. 36 as a 36-year-old. That's that's pretty impressive. I hate LeBron, but I am pretty good about giving credit where it's due. That's impressive. That is very impressive. So doesn't seem like he's going anywhere anytime soon. They did just blow a really bad game last night against the Wizards. Like, they had no business losing that game. And they blow a lead, lose the game, fall back to, like, four or five behind the Jazz for the one seed, and they actually fell to the three seed now by a game for the Clippers. Like, home home court advantage doesn't matter in that series. Yeah, I told you. It's literally the same spot, but... I think last week we talked on one pod where AD was out for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, I figured they'd fall to four, somewhere around there, four or five during that time period. But uh, they'll, make, they'll make their way back. If, okay, so that is going to put a hamper on things because if the Lakers fall to four, okay, the Jazz keep the one spot, the Warriors, as we speak right now, are still the eight seed. So that would mean the Jazz, to make the conference finals, would have to go through Steph Curry and the Warriors in round one and LeBron in round two. Yep. That's unbelievable. It's exactly why I don't like it. I don't like the Jazz for that reason if they finish at one. That's horrible. Well, that's if the Lakers fall to four, which I guess is very possible. I I would still put them at two or three. The Lakers might purposely want to fall to four. They may want to say, hey, LeBron's playing too many minutes. Too many minutes. Bring him off the floor. I don't think they would want the Jazz in in round two. I don't. I think that's a. I don't think that's a great matchup for either team. Like that's got that series would go seven. Uh, I mean, hell, I'd be intrigued to see it at least. Oh, it would be good for us for sure, but not great for either of them. But what really wasn't great, we have to talk about this. Oh my god. So this weekend, I thought the NHL hit a grand slam with these games at Lake Tahoe. They got the teams right. They got the backdrop right. I thought that this was going to be just the most beautiful thing that Gary Bettman has ever done for the game of hockey. And it started out looking that way. But then we have to take into consideration that Gary Bettman is just the biggest moron to ever live. Because this man doesn't know how the sun works. Don, did you know that if you have ice out in the open... And the sun beating down on it at noon, that the ice is going to melt. I missed science class that day. Wow. I mean, I couldn't believe it. That's insane. I can't believe that the sun melts ice. Apparently, Gary Bettman didn't realize that either. This moron had didn't have cooling underneath it. Nothing. Just had it outside. Sun beating down on it. So the first game at Lake Tahoe had to be postponed until later that night to let the ice refreeze. Do you think he thought it was thick enough to where it was impossible to melt? <laughs> well, he probably did. Honestly, no joke. Because, and Sean Avery was on Instagram. He was on a story talking about that. He was like, look, ice isn't snow. Like, snow can survive in the sun because there's layers on layers on layers and the molecules, like, interlock, and so it creates, like, a heat barrier, right? Well, ice doesn't do that because it's literally just frozen water molecules. Like, it honestly was so frustrating. But once they did finally play them with the lights, underneath, uh, underneath the lights, still in this beautiful backdrop, like, it did turn out to be a very beautiful scene. I just can't get over, like, the colossal fuck-up that that was. Like, you have to have somewhat of a brain, Gary Batman. I mean, that 
it it took what was going to be maybe the most important day in recent memory for for the sport of hockey and just kind of pooped on it like all of the good that that was supposed to do it kind of reversed it like because it it painted the nhl in such a negative light that like scott van pelt was making fun of him and that's not great like you you never want that you never want a bald man making fun of you that's true i get made fun of by zach all the time though so sometimes it's just out of your control <laughs> uh, it, one more piece to talk about, and actually, I, I kind of want your opinion on this, Donnie boy. Um, so, Artemi Panarin, the Ranger superstar, the bread man, for those of you who, who don't know who he is, um, he is a very vocal uh, political enemy of Vladimir Putin, the what prime minister of Russia. Uh, well, Putin intimidated one of uh, Panarin's former coaches in Russia. To come out with a story that he hit a 18-year-old girl in 2011. So that hit the press. And now Panarin is taking a leave of absence for safety reasons, obviously, from the Rangers uh, to let this die down because he's actually like fearful of uh, or for his life. Which Putin isn't really someone to mess with, so I, I definitely understand it. Uh, so it was posed to me. On Instagram, one of my buddies DM me. He's like, it's crazy how, like, a government-controlled media can, like, intimidate someone like this. And I was like, yeah, real crazy. Kind of like it happens here. Like, do, what do you think he can even do here? Like, he's just an enemy of the state in Russia. Like, some things are bigger than hockey. Like, as much as I love Panarin, this is, like, a scary situation. The fact that it even gets to that point pisses me off, though. Like, why, in my mind, like, why is he actually an enemy of the state in Russia, though? You know what I mean? Well, uh, he's very vocal anti-Putin. Like, there was a guy <laughs> who came out, and he's, like, running against him, and Put, uh, Panarin has, like, endorsed him and everything, and is, like, vying for him to be released from jail. Putin put his opponent in jail. Like, his the dude who's running against him has been in jail for, I think, like, six months now. That's the problem, though, man. I mean, what they run... <sighs> They run a communism playbook over there. I hate, I hate the communism offense. If you think about it, I, think about this. Dude. I mean, technically, they're not communists. They are just like I would consider them like. Uh, well, communism is like a form of uh, economy, but I would consider them a like oligarchy. Maybe not even like because uh, like they have one guy who's at the helm, but then a bunch of elected. <laughs> Who just are like the most yeah. rich in the country? So I would consider well, that oligarchy, but that, still, and that's a problem, man. It, it's a problem. It's getting to be even here in a sense to where if you just disagree with somebody, it's like, oh, all oh, you can automatically damn them to whatever you please. Like, uh, yeah, and it sounds like that's what's going on here. Yeah, man, don't agree with Putin. He's in a country right now to where he can disagree with whoever the hell he wants. Right. Putin, Putin's not used to people, you know, clapping at him and, and not getting punished for it. And here he is. He's just pissed. He's, it's probably just like this little high-tempered high school dude that needs put in his place, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's really scary, too, is like Panarin is really the only NHL player that's outspoken against Putin. Yeah. Is he from like, Russia? Yeah, he's from Russia. Um, Ovi is pretty pro-Putin. Uh, Evgeny Malkin is pretty pro-Putin. 
even like Petrangelo, they're they're all like maybe not pro Putin, but they just don't say anything. So I think that's kind of scary too for Panarin. He's like, look, even my my fellow countrymen, like they can't really say they support me, otherwise they're gonna be in the same same boat. So like he probably feels just very, very alone, which honestly I I would be I'd be afraid if I was him because you know that that the Russian like embassy has people here like there's definitely Russian assets walking around. I mean, like that's a thing for sure. <laughs> I know it's just funny. It's just tell funny me this, man, bro. If Panarin gets assassinated, I will I will cry. No, he'll die of a uh, heart attack in his. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not Jeffrey Epstein. He won't. <laughs> all right, we've got a little. <laughs> we're done. Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk some MLB real quick before we jump into some NFL breaking news because we got a lot to talk about in the NFL. Uh, in the MLB, spring training is officially here. Let's go! I am pumped. Everything is on track. Games are about to start. Uh, I think next week or the week after, like we are jumping into the full swing of the MLB season. Uh, I will do a full preview on our ne- on our late week episode. I'm going to go division by division, give you my division winners, give you my uh, NLCS and ALCS uh, participants, give you my World Series participant, my World Series winner, uh, and then my MVPs for each league. I'm going to try and get Cheek on with us for that one. We'll do a little MLB preview, uh, but that's really it. And then we got we do have to talk about Fernando Tatis signing a huge deal to stay in San Diego, becoming the, the face of baseball as we speak. I mean, he is right up there with the best of them, and he's just so entertaining to watch. I did love his comment about wanting to stay in one place for his whole career because that is very – very odd nowadays for people to want to stay put, but I'm really glad that he wants to. I think it's really good for the sport of baseball uh, and, and really good for him personally as well. Like that fan base in San Diego, albeit very small, they are very passionate and they really do love uh, Tati. So it doesn't hurt that they're one of the best teams in all of baseball, but they bring back their superstar and they look to be poised to make a championship run here in the future. Uh, but let's talk some NFL now. This is our bread and butter right here. And Donnie Boy, since we've spoke last, some pretty big news coming out of Indy, buddy. The Colts finally think that they have their quarterback. I mean, while they had him, they forced him into retirement into the the, the little injured book club. I'm sure you love talking about that. But yeah, the Colts have their guy. They trade a conditional pick next year and a third-round pick this year for Carson Wentz. So Carson Wentz is out of Philly, gets his wish, back under Frank Reich. Uh, but I will defer to you, Donnie boy. I mean, this is your this is your bread and butter here. Let's let's hear you go on a little bit of a Colts rant. Why is this uh, good for Indianapolis? This is good for multiple reasons. Let's just put that out here first. And let's just put this out here. I was a I was a fan of this. I wanted this to happen. I have been on this for. Two or three weeks, uh, you know, hey, we need to get this done. Carson Wentz was my second favorite quarterback in the league behind Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck left. Here he sits. Um, Frank Wright comes over from Philly in 16. Uh, just so happens that Carson Wentz has his best seasons as a Philadelphia Eagle in 16 and this, you know, 16-17 season. Um you're looking at a man that's 28 years old. He's three and a half years younger than what Andrew Luck was. Uh, he's actually on a very similar contract 
as luck was uh, at the time, and now the cap is has a uh, has rose, and so actually his percentage of his cap is a lot lower than what Lux was. Um, the man has struggled last year. Hey, he had his struggles. There's no denying that whatsoever. But there's also no denying that the three years prior to that, he played good football. Uh, you're talking 4,000 yards for two two straight seasons. I think one was like 36, 37, 3,800. Um, and then I think there was three straight to where he had uh, 2.5 to almost three, uh, 3.0 touchdown to INT ratios. Um, the man can make plays with his legs. He's not a run-first type of guy, but he's athletic and big enough to actually keep his eyes downfield, extend plays, make them when he has to. Um, last year was was what I believe to be a uh, outlier, just an odd year. Um, I don't think things were clicking that good in Philly at all, whether it be him, Peterson, the front office, just the whole offense in general. Um I know, you know, I know you had Hertz come in and make some plays, uh, and and it seemed like it clicked a little better with Hertz. Um, but I don't know. I think I think Philly was broken altogether, and my reasoning for that claim is they couldn't win a very mediocre uh, NFC East division. So I don't know, man. I I do. I like the Carson Wentz trade. Uh, when you look at value, you look at a for sure third, uh, thir- uh, second day pick, should I say, uh, this year in a third rounder. Uh, by the NFL trade chart, you're basically looking at right now present value. The conditional pick is a third right now, second, you know, if it is to be bumped up to a first in all reality. That's just how the trade chart presents uh yeah uh current day value on that on that pick um and for me i i think it was worth it when you go back and you look at what philly gave to move up to second they gave up they were picking at eight originally they gave up pick eight they gave up a third and a fourth that year they gave up a first the next year in 17 and then they gave up a second in 18 um so you get wince on what's probably gonna be a future one and three uh, at a discount where Philly eats 25% of the current contract. And I know everybody's spewing over the contract. Oh, I can't believe we're taking on this money. We're taking on the cap yet. When a team eats 25% of it and you're literally – actually, I'll tell you what. Cap cap dropped down $20 million this year. So right now, Carson Wentz will be 13.8% of your cap. To me – that makes him right now, as it sits, what the Colts pay, 18th highest quarterback, 18th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. For Carson Wentz's upside, his athletic ability, and what I know and I've seen him do before, I'm willing to take the gamble on the compensation that we gave along with the money that we're paying for the Indianapolis yeah. Colts who have had four starting quarterbacks, four different in starting four quarterbacks years, in yeah. four years. Yeah, I, I do think that this is going to be good for the Colts in one way, strictly because it is a little bit of um, consistency at, at quarterback. And that's kind of the, I guess that's kind of the word I was looking for is like, maybe continuity is the, is a better word. Like you're, you're now keeping one face at the helm instead of having this revolving door. And you look what Frank Reich has done with a revolving door. And now if you can string together a few years, have a quarterback get really comfortable in the system, 
I think that could spell good things because the one thing that Colts fans should take solace in is, like you said, Wentz was as good as he was under Reich. Like, his peak was under Frank Reich. So who's to say that that guy can't come back? Now, I don't think that guy will come back, but it's definitely a good possibility now that he's around some some familiar faces. And one thing that can't be understated about this enough he is someplace that now he knows wants him. They gave up capital for him to come to their team. That's huge because in Philly, even last year, to start of last year, people thought, oh, Carson Wentz can get back to how he was. Like, that's great. But in the back of his mind, he was probably concerned, like, these guys really took use a second-round pick on another quarterback? Like, I'm only 25 years old or whatever. Like, why would they be looking for my replacement already? I think that that rubbed him a little bit the wrong way. And did they probably draft Hurts as, like, uh, motivation for Wentz? Maybe. But that's so weird when you have a quarterback who was playing at an MVP level just three years ago to then try to draft his replacement as a, as a motivational tool. I don't think that's it. Like, I, I think that that is very, very strange. Uh, but no, big, big for Wentz to finally be someplace that he wants. I picked Indy to go to the, the AFC Championship game last year, so you're not going to find me arguing that this roster needs much improvement. I don't think that Wentz is a huge step up from Phil at quarterback, but his upside is definitely way higher than Phil's upside was. So I think it's a bigger risk than Phil, if that makes any sense. Like, Phil, you kind of knew what you were getting. Wentz, you can get a garbage can or you can get a top 10-ish quarterback. Like, I, I think there's a big, big ceiling or a high ceiling and a really low floor. So that that might be the biggest gamble for the Colts. But, no, you said it. With with the, the way that the cap is structured this year for the Eagles to have to eat some of that, it's a pretty low-risk, high-reward situation for the Colts. So to say that I don't like the trade uh, would be wrong. I don't like Wentz, but I, I think the trade makes sense. Um, something that really doesn't make sense. Isaiah Wilson, former first round draft pick of the Tennessee Titans tweeted out this morning, like as we speak just an hour ago, tweeted out that he is done as a Titan. He quickly deleted it. It was only up for about 15 minutes, but I think that this is kind of, kind of surprising. I mean, he did have, I think he got arrested for a DUI. Uh, but as far as talent goes, he's one of the better young offensive linemen in the league. So for him to be done in, in Tennessee is kind of crazy. Um, for a, a second-year offensive lineman still on a rookie deal, I'd say he's going to have a pretty big market. Where do yeah. you think that he ends up? <sighs> I don't know, man. Like When you're talking offensive line play here, you're kind of diving deep into into a lot of rosters, and he he plays guard, correct? He's um, he's like an undersized tackle, tackle can't play yeah. guard, yeah, yeah, kind of like a Danny Connor situation. Um, man, I don't know. Uh, I I mean, I if I give you an actual prediction where I think he's going to end up right now, I'd just be throwing shit at a wall. Why? I really don't have an an educated guess of where he goes. I would have to actually think about it, dive deep into to teams' needs and situations before free agency and draft hits, and and go from there. But I I can't give you one right now with actual sincerity. I got it. Uh, I'll give you three teams that I think make a lot of sense. Okay, so first off, Seattle is probably my number one destination for him. Uh, 
their whole future, probably Hall of Fame guard, uh, EU Potty, just announced his retirement this yeah, morning. So he makes a lot of sense to replace him. He'd walk into his starting role, help protect Russell Wilson, maybe protect Russell Wilson. It's a little teaser for a, for a segment coming up here in a second. Uh, I, I think Seattle makes a lot of sense. Uh, I also think Oakland makes a lot of sense. An aging offensive line in Oakland. Uh, John Gruden wants to solidify the running game. Isaiah Wilson is a much better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. He was known for that at college at Georgia. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to land in Oakland. He looks like a Raider. Like Isaiah Wilson is a scary, scary human being. They call him a big panda, but this man is ferocious. So Oakland makes a lot of sense. The other team that I think makes a ton of success too, and strictly because they've had a lot of success with Georgia offensive linemen in the past, and that's the Patriots. Like the Patriots make a lot of sense because two of their interior offensive linemen right now are free agents, uh, Joe Thune and David Andrews. David Andrews, by all accounts, is coming back. Like that's almost a lock. Joe Thune, on the other hand, may not. The Patriots would then have their third starting offensive lineman from from the University of Georgia. You'd have Isaiah Wynn, David Andrews, and Isaiah Wilson. I think it makes a lot of sense for him to end up in in New England, but. Maybe I'm being a little bit biased because I love to see the dogs go to the Pats. I I get a kick out of that always. But those are three teams that I'd keep an eye on. Jacksonville also makes some sense. They need to solidify their offensive line before Trevor Lawrence comes in. Another team that I really could see making a push for them, especially since they're making a push for Deshaun, is the Carolina Panthers. Their offensive line is getting older. A lot of the same guys that were protecting Cam are still there. They're aging quickly. I think that this would be a good opportunity to get a little bit younger on the offensive line uh, and and hopefully protect Deshaun because that trade seems like it is coming down to the wire. Uh, looks like Deshaun is going to end up being a Panther. Uh, Don, you're nodding your head. You think that trade is going to get done sometime uh, this week? Uh, yeah, I think it should. Like, if the Panthers are willing to make this trade happen, I think the Houston Texans need to make it happen. Uh, not every day. If the if what is being leaked is the true offer with three first and Christian McCaffrey, um, me personally, I would kind of not want McCaffrey back. I would want right. an additional pick. Additional pick. Um, now, granted, to make the cap work, they probably, probably have, to, have to. Yeah, they probably have to swap a, a similar player of cap stature, and they know that Christian McCaffrey's a big name, but the position does not hold all that much value. So there's probably a good reason they want to ship McCaffrey right. with the picks. Yeah. Uh, well, the so, thing the we'll thing see. that kind of hurts McCaffrey's trade value is like if you look, like yeah, McCaffrey is one of the most dominant running backs in the league, but. Mike Davis was also a top 10 running back this year, top five in fantasy at the end of the year. He just doesn't get it done receiving, but they have a, I want, I'm actually going to say this. They have one of the better receiving cores in all of the league. Now they don't have the huge name, but Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, like that is a decent one, two punch. Uh, in, well, you in you Carolina. also have DJ Moore, you know, oh, and DJ Moore too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a decent wide receiver core. If they can keep McCaffrey somehow and you add Deshaun to that list, I think the Panthers become an immediate contender, maybe just for the division, but they're definitely going to cause some problems in, in the NFC with that yeah. offense. And, and you know, the Panthers is one of the few teams I said the whole time. Like, I, I see them actually making a strong push. I, th- I think I said... The Panthers, uh, the Jets were swirled around there for a little bit, but I think I, my, the NFC team was the Panthers and uh, my AFC team was the Raiders. So I'm glad to see, you know, that at least I have a brain, 
something's <laughs> reminding me that my brain does work right. And to <laughs> see that the Panthers are actually pursuing this. And like I said, I think compensation is good. I think Deshaun is worth every bit of the three picks in Christian McCaffrey. And instead of playing hardball Houston, I think you need to let the man go. He doesn't want to be there anymore. J.J. Watts out of the house. You tried to de-hop. Uh, you've ruined your your immediate state of your franchise. Let him go. Get your value. Rebuild your team. That's what's crazy, too, is like that was one of the best rosters in the NFL two years ago. Two years ago, you look at that roster and you're like, whoa, this team is not, yeah. not going to compete but going to win a Super Bowl so, soon. Think about this. You had uh, J.J. Watt, uh, Jadavion Clowney, uh, Merciless sit in the linebacker spot. You had on the opposite side of the ball, Deshaun Watson, D-Hop. Uh, Ryan Cushing at, at linebacker. Like, I mean, that's not a huge Zach Cunningham name, now. Even Zach Cunningham. Cunningham. Um, the one thing that has always been lackluster is their secondary. They, well, that's because they, they have the AARP secondary. Their average age <laughs> in the secondary, Don, is 36 years old. It's, it's average, like, average age, 36. That means you have higher than that starting for you. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's that's bad. That's bad. Like, Houston has yeah. been a dumpster fire. They, 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 were, they were positioned to have a very successful amount of years, and oh. it's like they just flushed it down the toilet. Like, ah, no, nah, we don't want it. From, like, 2016, Deshaun's rookie year, to 2020, they should have ran the division as far but as now, titles. I did see this weird stat the other day, it was, and it was showing, like, all of uh, every franchise's Hall of Famers. Like, how many they had. Houston has zero. I did not know that actually. Houston has zero. Jacksonville has zero. There was Hall one or two famous? other teams. Yeah. Houston's only been a franchise since 2003. So, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and then you see JJ Watt now released, but I do have a feeling that he will be a a Texans Hall of Famer one day. He will come back and retire with the Texans. He will go in the Hall of Fame with the Texans. Andre, Andre Johnson will get in. He was, he, he's, the best Texan of all time, for sure. J.J. Watt will be the second one. It's the only two I can think of. D-Hop should. Yeah, but D-Hop, he, but he's not, like, he won't go in as a Texan, will he? Like, or it, I mean. Automatically, do, do they get the nod no matter if they played for him or not? Or? Well, yeah, if you if you play for a team, I think, I think you have to play for a team for more than three years to have the ability to go in as a Hall of Famer of that team. But I'm not I sure. This D-Hop. I guarantee D-Hop will not, will not do it. I mean, he's not going to – if if he retired today, he's still a Hall of Famer, and he's definitely not going to go in as a Cardinal. I mean – It just depends. He's still like – he's just 26, dude. That is, see, that's crazy. It feels like D-Hop's been in the league forever. He's only been no. I mean, the contract that was coming up. The reason they traded him was because it was fifth year option on his rookie contract. And they was trying to extend it. That's insane. It feels like he's been in the league for so long. I think I he was that, drafted in like thirteen or fourteen. I guess that makes sense because I think he was teammates with Deshaun at Clemson. So I yeah, mean that thirteen. Peak number twenty seven in the thirteenth. So he's been in the league. He's played what seven seasons actually. So. Yeah. That's crazy. So he's That's probably 28. Wild. He's probably 28, 27, 28. That's wild. Um, let's talk – I mean, so there's there's a ton of dominoes still to fall in this offseason. I mean, this has been one of the more entertaining NFL offseasons in yes. recent – And it's actually not even started. Right. It's, it's only going to get better because 
Russell Wilson is now available for trade as well. The Seahawks are listening to offers right now. Starting price is three first rounds. Three first round gets it done. Three first round picks gets it done for future Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, and it won't get done. <laughs> like, I don't think. I, I don't know. I'm I'm starting to think that it is going to get done. I I'm truly don't think, think anyone would pay it. I don't know. I think there are definitely teams that want it. So the team that, that makes a lot of sense is the team that misses out on Deshaun. So if you miss out on Deshaun, now you're you're grasping for straws. So teams that really need a quarterback, Miami in particular, you didn't get Deshaun. You didn't get Matt Stafford. Why not get Russ? Like, I think that wherever Russ goes, they become an immediate Super Bowl contender. If he goes to Miami, I think they become up there with the Super Bowl favorites. Yeah. It would be something to see Brian Flores and, and Russell Wilson. But, um, yeah, man, I, I don't think he's gone. I think he's going to be in Seattle as long as he plays football, if you want my true and honest opinion. I, I kind of think the story, and I might be wrong, but I think the story is getting a little too overhyped for what it may have been. You think so? uh, yeah, I, I think so. Now, hell, I might be completely wrong, and one day wake up and they'd be like, "Oh, Russell Wilson's out the door." Like, yeah. so who knows? But I don't know. I another thing to to consider too. So we talked about Deshaun. Now we've talked about Russ. Like two two guys on the market, a team or a guy that really hasn't been talked about leaving. But really has the ability to leave is is Dak. League came out today that the Cowboys aren't going to franchise him, or at least not going to franchise him today. today. Yeah, I'd say they probably don't franchise him. I think he's going to be available. Well, now, it's it's kind of like we talked about in our group chat earlier. Like if you're franchising this year, you're paying thirty seven. I think it was like thirty seven point two six million, something like that. It's what what he'd be a cap hit on. That's what you're paying. The man was wanting forty. Uh, reports that came out that they had offered 34 a year. Um, I don't know. I think I think there needs to be some happy ground found here, and and a long term deal needs to get done. And one reason I say that is because you look across the division. Wentz is now out. Uh, I guess the jury's still out on Hurts from as far as the Eagles front office goes. Uh, what Dwayne Haskins is out. Who the hell knows what Washington's doing at quarterback? Yeah. Um, and then you look at the Giants, the and the Giants and and Daniel Jones have not. I mean, they've had their flashes and they've had some real bad flashes. Um, locking Dak up long term creates the most stable QB room in all of the division. Oh, and, by far. Yeah, and I I think it just makes them the best team in that division. So. I say get it done. The man came in as a third-round pick. He earned his way. He's proven himself. He has the stats to back it up. Give him his money. Let him be the face of your franchise. Try and win some division titles and make some runs in the playoffs and be done with it. I think I think it needs to get done. I think one thing that could be interesting is, like it said, they won't franchise tag him today. I think a tag and trade to Seattle for Wilson kind of makes sense for both <clears throat> parties. Like if Wilson does want out, Send them out, right? The Cowboys get their quarterback. The Seahawks get their replacement for Wilson and a guy who actually wants to be there. You're paying him. <laughs> I mean, I obviously that would be one of the biggest trades in NFL history, like two franchise quarterbacks swapping places, basically. 
But I think it makes sense for both parties. I, I think that would be really cool to see, actually. Plus, if you look, Dak's strength, Dak throwing the ball downfield is impressive. Now you put him with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf stretching the field. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, one thing is if they can solidify their running game and kind of get that going again, what it was when they made their Super Bowl runs, the defense is going to turn the corner. They looked a lot better in the second half of last year. Now they re-signed Jamal Adams. Like, that defense is solidified for the future. They have to get their offense back on track to what it was in the first half of last season. Because in the first half of last season, they were setting the world on fire, where the defense was getting absolutely fisted every game. Well, in the second half of the year, the roles reversed. The defense looked phenomenal. The offense couldn't put anything together. So uh, the Seahawks are an interesting case, man. They, they, they. I, we talked about it, you know, a couple of months ago. I just like the Seahawks are kind of reminding me of the Texans in a way. Uh, they're all of a sudden it just feels like something's off. something change, yeah. Uh, like it, it feels like they had the world. Like you have your franchise guy, he really was doing it alone for a long time, and then you get DK and your offense looks nice, and then here comes the the, the defense, and it looks like what what's going on? Like yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I don't know where Dak lands if it's not Seattle or Dallas. I'll be honest. Like, oh yeah, I'll be, and I'll tell you this much. I know the reports have came out. And this is just another quarterback. I'm uh, there's two that I'm being interested to see what happens with. Uh, one is Jameis Winston. Oh, LASIK Jameis. I I actually think Jameis <laughs> has got some football to play. I really I and truly do. Um, the Saints have expressed their interest in bringing him back. If they want to bring him back for what they paid him the last year, I don't think they have a shot to bring him back. And I might be wrong because league interest might not be there at all. I, but, I don't know about that. I think league interest is definitely there. I think, but there's some teams out there to where I think they need to pull the trigger, take a shot on Jameis Winston. And I'm not saying for their future franchise quarterback. Give him a one or two year deal with, you know, at least, he made what two million dollars last year? One million. Uh, yeah. Like I give him five million. I bet. Okay, come here. Five million dollar deal. Let's play ball and see what he has. Because I think I really do. He looks like a completely different athlete now. He's yeah. slimmed down. Lost he looks weight. like a different person. I agree. I mean, and LASIK eye surgery. Hell, they say it's supposed to help. So we'll really see if it does. I'm telling and, you. I think. I've thrown this name around a lot today, but I'm, the Miami needs to make a move for Jameis. Like, he's better than, than Fitzpatrick for sure. He's definitely better than Tua from what we've seen from Tua. Like, Tua at this very moment is a liability. Tua is horrible. He, he didn't look good. But now I will say that, you know, rookies are rookies. But it looked like there was something else going on with Tua. It literally looked as if, like, the hip injury has affected him in a way – that is going to permanently affect his play. Oh, well, um, the hip injury for sure, but also his brain. Like that, not to sound like too derogatory. It didn't look like he was processing anything. And we talked about how how important it is to be able to process coverage. Like we when we talked about Mahomes, it looked like Tua couldn't do that to save his life this past year. And there yeah. were a couple times when he started and got sat down for Fitzpatrick. Well, like it, that can't happen. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you another quarterback, too, here, Ian, is you look at the Panthers that's making this big push for Deshaun. What's Teddy Bridgewater think? Teddy, uh, absolutely. I I for sure agree. 
I for sure agree. I think he's a big name to watch what happens with Teddy. Marcus Mariota is on the market. I think he still has some football left to be played. Like, there are a lot of those mid-level quarterbacks. What's going to happen with them? Marcus Mariota is intriguing. And we've seen, you know, he kind of has the floor. You've seen the floor. He's inconsistent in times. But now he's also been very good in times. And, right. and the red zone was one of them places. Um, I think the best thing that ever happened to him, and I say this prematurely because I've not seen it yet, but I think the best thing that's ever happened to him was he was sent to Oakland to sit behind another quarterback and demoted from the face of the franchise to start quarterback. And he realized real quick, you know what? That Heisman in college don't mean nothing. Those those years I started in Tennessee don't mean nothing. And we seen him come back in a game or two this year, and the boy balled out. Right, he looked good. The thing that I like about Mariota, too, is like his arm strength is there. His accuracy is spotty. But his athletic ability is off the charts. And it's always been off the charts. And when you bring up the red zone, you look, especially at teams that love to run a read option in the red zone, he makes a lot of sense. He makes a lot of sense. That Teddy, I don't know what's going to happen with Teddy. I would love Teddy in New England. I would be all right with Mariota in New England. Mitch Trubisky, where's Mitch Trubisky going to go? Because he's probably not in Chicago. Probably the house. He's going to be a backup somewhere, I'd say. He's not starting anywhere. Like, no, I, well. I don't – like, there are so many quarterbacks that we just don't know what's going to happen. Like, this this offseason has legitimately been a soap opera. And well, I, I think the stat came out. I think it was uh, Breer or somebody that posted on Twitter not too long ago. But there is a possible change of uh, – I think it said 18 to 21, 22 positions at, you know – Teams at the QB position. QB changes. 18 teams. Think about that. In one offseason. That's wild. Well, Drew Brees officially retired, right? He's officially done. Okay. So the Saints, changing. Panthers, potentially changing. Falcons, Matt Ryan is rumored to be on the trade market, potentially changing. The only team in that division is the Bucs. They're set in on Brady. That's wild. The AFC, or the, the NFC East. Daniel Jones, his position isn't locked up. It's, it's up in there for sure. Washington, they That's have one quarterback changing. on the roster right That's now. Changing it's, for sure. it's Taylor Heineke. He's yeah. the only quarterback on that roster right now. Dallas, is it going to be Dak? Presumably, but who knows? I don't have a clue. And then with the Eagles, they've already, already changed. Teams. Yeah, already changed. I, I mean, really, the one team in the West that is staying the same or the NFC West is the Cardinals. They're locked in on Kyler. The Seahawks might trade Russ. The Rams have already changed. They have Stafford. Yep. So the 49ers, Jimmy G's on the, on the move. Like, yeah. Then you go to the North. The North Rogers is locked in. Kirk Cousins is locked in. Lines have already changed. The lines have already changed. So the Bears has already changed as well. Like, they that's changed, insane. Yeah. There's four, 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 four quarterbacks, and that's it. In, in the, the NFC. NFC, that's established. That like for sure. I, now I think. Now I think personally, Russell Wilson's one of them. So I would call it five. But there is rumors. So go to the AFC now. Start with the South. Okay. Start in the South. We'll start in the South. Colts, Colts have already, already changed. changed. Texans, Deshaun seems to be done, so they're they're, they're changing. That, that's changed. I don't care anymore. That's yeah, changing. That's changed. 
the Titans, Tannehill's locked yeah, in. Yeah, he's in there. He's locked in, in there. Tannehill. And the Jags. Jacksonville, they're changing this year. So there's two. three or four. Okay, so three. <laughs> okay, let's go to the East. Let's go to the East. The Jets. Sam Darnold is likely out or they're yeah. taking a quarterback. So we'll say that's a maybe. We'll say Darnold stays for the sake of keeping it. Let's see if we can get the to, to five that are staying. Well, in the AFC, there are more because you look, Josh Allen is for sure staying. Well, well, yeah. the, the Pats quarterback room, you have no idea, but rumor has it Cam is coming back. I'd like to see it change. We're going to count that as a change as well because – I doubt so, the Worst case scenarios. Let's do this. So we have five in the NFC. So far, we have uh, one in the AFC that's actually stable. Yeah. So it's total. So then you go to the north because Miami's changing too. So only one in the AFC East is staying mm-hmm. the same. Two, in two, yeah. You go to the north. Baker is staying. Burrow's staying. Ben, probably not. Lamar is staying. That's nine. So three, three in the north. Are staying the same. Mm-hmm. In the West, Herbert stays. Mahomes stays. Mm-hmm. Car maybe. Car, car's in. Car's in. Twelve. Car's they came out the other day. In? They said he's in. Yeah. Okay, so they're, they're out looking to extending. Okay, so Car stays, and then uh, the Broncos. They're probably they're looking to change. No. So yeah, there's looking, twelve. We counted twelve. Worst case scenario, twelve, and there's some of those that might so. But 12, worst-case scenario. So you're looking at 20 teams that ha- are probably changing. Probably. Or already have. Yeah. We'll even put it as not even probably, like more likely than not changing. That's, that's great. Like, that's I, don't think, I don't think we have ever seen an offseason like this. I don't think we've seen more than five in an offseason. And you're talking about the you're talking about the deepest uh, edge-rushing free agency that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Vaughn Miller now going to be on uh, in that list as well. Vaughn, JJ, Okawara, uh, I mean, in Gawkway. I mean, there's a ton out there. So. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about free agents, but like sometimes these free agents just don't pan out. And so one thing that I did want to talk about, who is the worst free agent signing for the Colts? I'll do the Pats then, obviously, that you can remember. Worst oh, free goodness. agent signing that you've made because I got two that stand out to me like crazy for the Pats. I mean, just awful, awful deals. Well, let well let's go and let me talk about the worst trade for the Colts, and that's just the first round for Trent Richardson. I just thought I ain't gonna go into detail. I just want to throw yeah. it out there. <laughs> that that works. Uh, one of mine actually was also a trade, but people remember it as a free agent signing, and that's Albert Hainsworth. Like people, people remember this as a free agent signing, but nope, the Pats gave up a draft pick to get Albert Hainsworth away from Washington. I gave up a fifth round pick to eat Albert Hainsworth's contract from Washington, and he turned out to just be horrible in New England. Like, wasn't showing up to practice, didn't get it done on the field when he was at practice or was in the game. Like, absolutely dreadful trade. Absolute bust. Uh, I remember when we got him because we we traded for him. I think it was like 2009. I was like, dude, nice. Like Albert Hainsworth, one of the best defensive players in the league. This is huge. Well, he gets to New England, doesn't do anything. I thought it was going to be the nastiest uh, defensive combo in the middle with Vince Wilfork and Albert Hainsworth. Like try running on that team. You can't. Well, turns out 
just because of Vince Wilfork, you couldn't run on us. Like, Albert Hainsworth was garbage his whole time in New England. So losing that fifth wasn't great for a guy that was garbage, but risk-reward was definitely worth it at that point. But the worst free agent signing in, in Patriots history. See if you remember this name, Don. This is an ultimate football guy if you remember this name. Adelius Thomas. I I now the name's familiar, but now I, I would be oh, lying if I told you that I know him off the top of my head. Bro, one of the worst free agent signings in the history of the league. In the six years before he came to New England, he had fifty-seven sacks in six years. Crazy pace. One of the better edge rushers mm-hmm. in in the whole oh, league. Yeah. That's definitely almost ten. The 10. Pats signed him. The Pats signed him to a five-year, thirty-five million dollar contract. Dude played in New England for three years. For three years, had ten sacks. Uh, that's do, right. Yeah. Let, let me do you one even better, Ian. We we signed Antonio Cromartie. Okay. Antonio I, Rogers Cromartie, right? <laughs> so this man, this is just this this tilts me every time I see it. <laughs> we signed him. He plays four games, four games before being released. And actually, I forget his contract. Let me let me look at his contract real quick. Because you know it was you know it was gonna be good when Ryan Griggs and he just threw money everywhere or something. Four years, four years, thirty-two million dollar contract, cut, released four games. So in uh what what is that an uh APV of eight a year, eight million dollars yeah, yeah. a year for for yeah. four games? That guy got paid the I got that guy got the bag for playing four games. Cause you release right. him, you have to my, pay part of his contract. Yeah, my, so. my bad, my bad. That that was a previous contract in addition to what we paid him. We paid him in actual free agency just a one year three million. So the money wasn't bad. But the fact that he was cut just four games after and literally couldn't play dead in the dirt. Um, <laughs> That's tough. My worst hated though. My worst hated free agency sign was freaking this is gonna sound petty as hell. But was Josh Cribs. I thought Josh Cribs oh, like so bad because when he came in, he wasn't good enough to be a receiver on the actual team. Like oh, to yeah. actually he's play, a he's just a punt returner. Punt, so he, punt yeah. So he returner. comes in, and I know of a, I know for a fact, I watched this man fumble four or five times in a in a year, and I think that was actually in a three or four game stretch. He was benched as a punt returner, and he used to be a punt return specialist for the Browns. This dude was trash, and it made me so. Every time we literally we would we would force a three and out, and I was so happy. And then I'd look at the at the camera shot of Josh Creed lined up to return the punt, and I just like, damn, like here we go, all for nothing. That's tough. There's a couple guys that like really stand out to me. The Pats for a while there were like the graveyard for like future Hall of Fame receivers to come and try to end their career with Brady, like. Chad Ochocinco was probably the first one. He came in, didn't really play, uh, just couldn't learn the offense, couldn't get timing with Brady. That was a big bust of a, of a free agent signing. Then you got Reggie Wayne came in, couldn't even make it through training camp. Um, you got guys like Joey Galloway came in, same thing. He came in, only got three games into the year, and then retired because he couldn't handle it, handle the, the coaching staff. And then even, like, more recently, you look at, like um, – 
these are running backs, obviously, then. But you look at Fred Taylor and Steven Jackson, both, like, future Hall of Famers, dominant when they were playing, and then come to New England and just can't do anything. Now, granted, Steven Jackson was, like, really towards the end of his career, but I don't know. It, like, uh, the reason I want to bring this up is, like, yeah, free agency is a lot of fun, but, like, there's also a dark side of free agency where you get your hopes up for a guy, and then it's just absolutely tanks your 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 hope for for your future like yeah sometimes it just it doesn't work out but it is one of the most exciting times of the year oh it's always so fun dude Free i'm agency, so excited march madness all in one like little span it is fun as hell oh, march yeah, you got, is fun you got saint patty's new league year starts saint patrick's day every year march 17th around then 16th 17th 18th is the start of the league year every year then you got uh, the NCAA tournament, spring training going on, the opening day, and then the draft all in like a span of a month. Like that is one of the better span. Like that is a beautiful time of the year, no doubt. Speaking of the draft, guys, we're going to do a huge draft day special. We're going to do a full mock draft for you guys. We're going to get deep into it. Uh, got some exciting content coming at you guys coming up for the draft. Uh, also very exciting. So we are sponsored by raise energy. Uh, make sure you click the link. It is, it's going to be in my bio, uh, my personal Twitter bio and the Twitter bio of the Wolfpack productions, Twitter account, use code WP four L Wolfpack for life. Uh, and you'll get 15% off of your entire order. So make sure you guys do that. Uh, it would mean a lot. They have great products, got pre-workout. They got energy drinks, keep you focused, watching games, keep you focused for your lift. Or playing video games for if you're like us, a bunch of nerds. Uh, bunch of cod lovers. That's right. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> I, you had a tough sound bite, so I had to purposely throw one in. There you go. That's fair. Yeah. When I said playing with yourself earlier, that, that wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't no. worry, Ian. You don't have to play by yourself. I'll come play the Xbox with you. Well, no, my bad. Take Xbox out. I'll come play with you. <laughs> Thank you. Bro. I love cod too. Let yeah, me play. I <laughs> I love it. But uh no guys, we appreciate all the support. Make sure you guys keep your ears out for all the latest content we got coming at you. We'll have another episode dropping later this week. I'll have a full MLB preview. Have probably some more breaking news around the sports world. And we got Deaky Benders coming at you later this week. I'll give you all the breaking news around the NHL world, keep you updated uh when it comes to the world of puck. But uh GTD, you got anything else to add, buddy? Alrighty guys, thank you for the support. We will catch you next time. Yeah, I get it, this shit in blood, huh? Bitch, I got my own fight, don't need security in the club. All they wolfing on the neck, nigga, I thought you was a thug. I ain't got nowhere to go, I shot up everywhere they was. Yeah, you know who took this shit from you, come get it back in blood. Bitch, come get it back in blood. We ain't mask up, no Dodger X, niggas know who it was. They storing shit just like the 80s, want some back, get it in blood. Yeah, you know who took that shit from you, come get it back in blood. If a nigga killer ain't dead, you sure are no R.I.P. shirt. We had 300 shots up in the car before we picked up dirt. You nigga who ain't got shit going, go grab a glizzy, get alert. Shots the G-Post, R.I.P. and Breezy in the dirt. Brr, brr. Gotta know I go too far Get two O's up on this honey One of them might stand for O-Block About 20 some shots left up in the K-15 still in the Glock Leave my door lock and stop I like getting on feet, park the cop Get no clothes, do them dirty I ain't showing love 11,000 all ones Left my right pocket in the club Blue faces up on me dirty I went got it out the mud If I took 
I'm getting in blood on the gill folk where we was. Bitch, I got my own. If I don't need security in the club, all they wolfing on the neck, nigga. I thought you was a thug. And I ain't got nowhere to go. I shot up everywhere they was. Yeah, you know who took this shit from you. Come get it back in blood. Bitch, come get it back in blood. We ain't mask up, no dodge tricks. Niggas know who it was. It's doing shit just like the 80s. Once I'm back, get it in blood. Yeah, you know who took this shit from you. Come get it back in blood. Kill your man, you keep on talking. Better get that shit in blood. Give my shorty Nimma dub, then they gon' walk inside this club. Hit this little ass with that switch. I bet that switch switch up his nerve. Fuck the ops inside my city. Look, bro, put them in the mud. You can't come back to your hood, huh? I wish he would come. Pussy. B-Roy pop up out that coat with that new Glock. I wish he would run. His ass playing, bitch. I'm really icy. Really icy. Pooh shicey, that's my dog. But Pooh, you know I'm really shicey. You told all them OT niggas that you really sly. Pussy. Tell the truth about your game, bitch. They really die. Bitch, I got my own. If I don't need security in the club, all they wolfing on the net, nigga. I thought you was a thug. I ain't got nowhere to go. I shot up everywhere they was. Yeah, you know. Shit from you, come get it back in blood. Brr, brr, bitch, come get it back in blood. We ain't mask up, no Dodger Rex. Niggas know who it was. It's doing shit just like the 80s. Want some back, get it in blood. Yeah, you know who took that shit from you, come get it back in blood. Bitch, brr.